Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat learning session by TBA rabbinic intern Yael Aronoff. First of all, I'm, I'm just, I'm really excited. This is my first um, Sodashli sheet learning together that, that I got to bring. Watched other rabbinic interns and I'm excited to to join you today to do this. And something that I find very exciting about Beth Am is um, there's all kinds of different davening and communities happening. So even though hopefully at this point in Shabbat, we've done some learning already, we have not yet done it together as this group that's here in the room and that's on Zoom. So I like to start uh, when I'm learning Torah with uh, a new group on a new day. Uh, with the La Sokhbedivrei Torah blessing. It's at the top of the source sheet. Um, does anyone still need a source sheet? Does everyone that wants one have one? Great. Um, so I like to do it to this little tune I learned up in Berkeley. Um, I'll start on some Nine Eyes and then you can join in whenever you're comfortable. Nine, 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 nine. discussing this coming week's Parsha is Chayisara. So I want to dive into some of the text of Chayisara. But before I do, I want to read a quote from Sarah Kinnig, and uh, it's from the first episode of her podcast called Serial. Just as a jumping off point of one of the ways we might decide to understand a problem that will be raised in the text of Chayisara. So I'm just going to read this, and then hopefully the rest of our time together, you all will feel free to read pieces of the source sheet. But I just want to start out because I think this is an interesting framing. So this is, these are the words of Sarah Kimmick. I just want to point out something I'd never really thought about before I started working on this story. And that is, it's really hard to account for your time, in a detailed way, I mean. How'd you get to work last Wednesday, for instance? Drive? Walk? Mike, was it raining? Are you sure? Did you go to any stores that day? If so, what did you buy? Who did you talk to? The entire day, name every person you talked to. It's hard. So we'll get back to um, why I brought up this question of memory, right? It's a very human thing of how we account for our time. 
Um, so we'll come back to that. We'll hold on to that thought for a minute. Um, and we're going to start with um, just to give a little context of Chayi Sarah, I'm sure many of you are familiar with. So we're, we're starting this week, uh, the Parsha Chayi Sarah, Life of Sarah, which of course starts with the death of Sarah at age 127 or 127 biblical years, however you want to understand that. And then we get the account of Avraham buying the burial place for the family, the cave of Machpelah. And then it moves on to the account of the oath that Avraham has his senior servant swear to find a wife for Yitzchak. And that brings us to the part of Parshat Chaisar I want to focus on today. So um, I have a little section of 10 verses of what happens. So the senior servant swears to Avraham, and they have back and forth about it, but he does make this oath that I'm going to go out and find a wife for Yitzchak. So he reaches this water source, and he is make it he's praying to god help me to be successful uh in my mission and then uh here's what happens so does someone want to read either in hebrew and in english or just in english whatever you're comfortable with uh genesis 24 17 to 27 thank you vayarot haever haved likrata vayomer hagamini Na meat maim mika dech. Batumer shite aduni batimaher batoref kada aliada batash kehu. Batechalash koto batumer gam ligmalecha eshav ad im kilu lishtot. Matemaher Matar Kadah El Hashoket Batarot Od El Habit Er Lishov Batishav Lichol Gimalav Vaish Mishta Ela Miharish Ladad Hahitlia Hashem Darko Imlo V. Vaihi Kashir Kilo Hagamalim Lishtot Vaikach Haish Nezem Zahav Bekamish Kalo Ushne Tamidim Ayadea Asara Zahav Mishkalam Vayomer Bat Mi At Hagidi Hagidina li hayesh betavicha betavich makom lanu lalin, but tumre love, but betuel anochi ben milka asher yalida anachor, but tumre love gam teven gam mispo rav imanu. Gamakum Laloon Vai Code Haish Vaish Tahu Lashem Vayomer Baruch Hashem Eloke Adoni Avraham Asher Loazav Hasto Vamito Meim Adoni Anochi Vadir Nachani Hashem Beit Ache Adoni. Thank you so much. Can I also can I also ask you to read it in the English too? Sure. Thank you so much. 
The servant ran toward her and said, Please, let me sip a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and she quickly lowered her jar upon her hand and let him drink. When she let him drink his fill, she said, I will also draw for your camels until they finish drinking. Quickly and emptying her jar into the trough, she ran back to the wall, the well to draw, and she drew for all his camels. The man, meanwhile, stood gazing at her, silently wondering whether Hashem had made his errand successful or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold nose ring weighing a half shekel and two gold bands for her arms, ten shekels in weight. Pray tell me, he said, whose daughter are you? Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She replied, I am the daughter of Bituel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. And she went on, there is plenty of straw and feed at home and also room to spend the night. The man bowed low in homage to, to Hashem and said, Blessed be Hashem, the God of my master Abraham's house, who has not withheld steadfast faithfulness from my master. For I have been guided on my errand by Hashem to the house of my master's kin. Thank you so much. Um, so this is the account as we have it of the encounter at this source of water between the daughter of Betuel, as we have in this uh, in these verses, the daughter of Betuel and this uh, person who is the servant, the man, Ha'eved, Ha'ish. Um, so these are the people, I mean, there we, we might refer to this as this is when Eliezer and Rivka met at the well, but in the actual text, we don't get the, those names just in this moment. And I also just want us to notice, uh, sort of, just pay I like just pay attention to how that interaction went. So that's that's our first account of the interaction. So then, what happens next is that Rivka, or the daughter of Betuel, goes home and she tells her family about this encounter that we just read. And we don't get her version of what happens. We just get that uh, she went to her mother's household and she told them all of these things or all of these words that pass between them. And we meet her brother, Lavan, who runs out to meet this man, this servant at the spring or the well, this water source. Um, and Lavan brings this servant man into their home. And then we get the next verse, which I'll just read quickly because um, in the Hebrew and the English, um, Vayusam lefanav lechol vayomer lo vayomer lo ochal ad im dibarti devarai vayomer daber vayomar ever Abraham anochi. But when the food was set before him, so this is the servant, the man, he said, I will not eat until I have told my tale. In the Hebrew, dibarti devarai, you know, um, it could be the, until I've spoken my, my words, until I've spoken my piece, but the translation, I think it's interesting. I, I think I say this all every day, at least once a day, that every translation is an interpretation, which is why I appreciate sometimes reading things in both the Hebrew and the English, because until I have told my tale puts a certain spin on where this might go. And then he said, speak then, that uh, Radak, the French 12th and 13th century commentator, says the he that's telling this servant man to speak, it could be Lavan, it could be Betuel, but one of the men of the house is telling him, okay, so tell us what you have to say. And he starts off his account of what happened by saying, Eved Avraham Anochi, I am Avraham's servant. So then uh, he says, okay, so Avraham asked me to do this, to find a wife for his son Yitzchak, and I came here and I was praying that I should be successful. And then we have, uh, I want us to read together his account. Does someone else want to read 
in the Hebrew and English, or it could just be in the English. It's, it's okay either way. Does someone, do we have a new volunteer to read? Okay, thank you. Oh, wait, can you, is it okay if you use the mic just for the Zoom people? Thank you. I had scarcely finished praying in my heart when Rivka came out with her jar on her shoulder and went down to the spring and drew. And I said to her, please give me a drink. She quickly lowered her jar and said, drink, and I will also water your camels. So I drank, and she also watered the camels. I inquired of her, whose daughter are you? And she said, the daughter of Betuel, son of Nahor, whom Milka bore to him. And I put the ring on her nose and the bands on her arms. Then I bowed low in homage to Adonai and blessed Adonai, the God of my master, Abraham's house, who led me on the right way to get the daughter of my master's brother for his son. And now, if you mean to treat my master with true kindness, tell me, and if not, tell me also that I may turn left, that I may turn right or left. Thank you. Okay, so now this is his tale that he's telling them. It's pretty similar to the first account we read, except for a little bit of difference. So uh, we have a couple commentators on here who have some ideas as to why this difference happens. Um, so would someone like to read the Rashi? We have our Rashi, French 11th and 12th century commentator. Um, we could just read the commentaries, I think, in English at this point, just for time. Does anyone want, you want to read the Rashi? Or they can pass you the mic. Thank you. English works too. <laughs> yeah, great. And I asked her, and I put on the ring. He changed the order of proceedings, for in fact, he had first given the presents and afterwards questioned her. But he did this in order that they should not catch him by his own words and say, How could you give her anything when you did not know? And you did not yet know who she was. Thank you. So this is something it took me a few years before I caught on to this because it's a subtle little difference. But um, but in the first account that we read, you may have noticed that first he gives her the rings and the gifts, and then he asks, "Whose daughter are you?" And then when he's telling it back, he he makes it as if he first asked, "Whose daughter are you?" And then he gave her the ring on her nose and the bands on her arm. Um, so Rashi's interpretation is that this is an intentional narrative switch and that the intention behind it is um, that he doesn't want them to catch him in his own words and they don't want to say, how could you give her anything when you did not yet know who she was? Um, so I think that's an interesting approach to uh, um, maybe paint this the servant man as being concerned about what they're, they're going to think of him they want to maybe this maybe he wants them to respect him um maybe they they might start questioning him why like why they might be judging what he did maybe he starts judging what he did did, did i did what i do was what was the order of what i did things okay maybe maybe it would have been better if i had done it in this order um so that's how he presents himself we're gonna i'm curious to hear your thoughts on it but i just before we open it up i want to also read the orachaim so can someone read us what orachaim says orachaim is the 18th century moroccan commentator um and let's also uh read him in english okay thank you here oh here oh yeah okay i asked her and put the ring on her nose 
He changed the sequence of events in his report so that Lavan and his father, in their craftiness, should not be able to claim these trinkets as belonging to Butiel, since Rivka had obtained them as a reward for services rendered. If, however, Rivka had obtained the jewelry only after she had identified herself as the daughter of Batiel, it was clear they were meant to affect a betrothal between her and Yitzhak, her father not being able to claim them as belonging to him. Thank you. So, Orachaim agrees with Rashi that the change in the order of events is an intentional thing on the part of the servant man, but his reasoning is that um, that it shouldn't be seen, the ring and the bands shouldn't be seen as a reward for her services, but as an engagement. Like, the ring is like almost representing an engagement ring uh, between Rivka and Yitzchak. So, I want to I want to bring us back now to the Sarah Kinnick quote I brought out first because when I first noticed when we were discussing this in one of my first years of rabbinical school, um, my first thought was it could just be that he maybe didn't remember exactly because I think about like on a daily basis I might like I might be able to tell you like for example this morning I might be able to tell you all the people I saw at Shul at Beitenu at the Ufrof. But I might not be able to tell you the order of which I saw who, when, and maybe I could tell you that now, but maybe later tonight, not as much. Um, and so I thought when I first read it, like, it could just be the very human thing of it's hard to account for our time. But there's also the possibility of it's an intentional switch, and it could be from the Rashi reading of because he want, he cares about how they're going to perceive him. And it could be the Orachaim uh, reason of um, because he wants this the the ring and the bands to be this engagement symbol so i'm curious now i want to open up to to you all about whether you find any of those three arguments compelling maybe you have a fourth or a fifth or a sixth option of um why the chronology is switched in this account of what happened at the source of water so does anyone want to share thoughts on why this man would switch up the chronology Yes, I have several thoughts yeah. <laughs> as usual. <laughs> I didn't expect to have any. But, uh, well, when he mentions the craftiness of it, that was interesting. Mm. So I just didn't think of that. That makes good sense. So that's one. Two, Yitzhak never came up. It's like, hi, you look good. Marry my friend. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's kind of uh, odd in the sense of uh, that. But maybe that's the custom of the day. Go find me a wife. You know, whoever gives him gives him something, that's a good candidate. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know enough about the sequence of times yeah. uh, there. But uh, but I do think it's very natural for him to then change the order too. Because I meet many people and first I'll like say, hey, come sit here or do something here. Then I'll say, what's your name? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So just thinking back to myself, sometimes it's good to do a good gesture first mm -hmm. in terms of beginning a relationship or something. Thank so you have you. three convoluted thoughts to chew on. <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Did any, any other thoughts on why, why the switch up in the order of events of who are you? Let me give you gifts or let me give you gifts. And then who are you? Well, thank you for the food for thought that you gave us. So we can, we can sort of sit with that as we go on to. I have a point I'd like to make. Oh yes, you thank you. Yeah. Yes. The first one is a narrative, right? Yeah. Someone saying what he said. And the second one is him saying what he said. Hmm. He's saying that he's telling the story and all I, you know, and I've said this before, but you know, they said about Harry Truman, any story worth telling is worth exaggerating. 
<laughs> what I'm saying is that 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 when you tell a story is different than when you're narrating a story. So by telling it, you emphasize the points that you want to make. You know, you know, the fish is that big or whatever. And I'm just saying that by telling it is different than narrating it. Thank you. And I think thank you. I think that point really um, that point is really connected to when he says in verse 33, I'm going to not eat until I tell my tale, until lo ochal ad im dibarti devarai, that like, I, I have a tale to tell. So I think that is, that is definitely supported by how he, how he, in, how he starts his uh, narrative. So thank you. Um, any other thoughts on this question? Or we'll have more thoughts as we go. Thank you. Oh. Um, so Radak said Radak says that it's either Lavan or Betuel, but there's that's one interpretation. There's just a sense that he's in Rivka's house announcing to her household how they met. But I think there could be probably lots of interpretations of who's actually in the room hearing this story. W what do you think? I, I just think it matters. Yeah. I think it matters because I think if um, if she's telling if he's telling her father. That's that's a different thing, right? Mm -hmm. Especially, and I'm not sure what the custom of that day was, but the custom, you know, of essentially exchanging goods and goods and a bride being part of that exchange. Right. right. Yeah. Um, so I, I just think it matters. I don't. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Thank you. I just think it matters. Thank you. Yeah. Hmm. And that it was true all along that it was going to be. She didn't. She didn't need to answer. She didn't. She didn't need to be asked. Uh huh. That God had already made this deal, mm -hmm. and so he gave her the ring because he knew the answer already. But he was talking to the family oh. and going, "They oh. may not get this." Oh. Thank you. That's really interesting, and I think that speaks so. That speaks to, I think, where, where I want to go next. So thank you. I'm going to take that. Because there's a, there's a question of who, just like it's important to know, like, who is he talking to? There's also a question of who is he? Um, and by calling him Ha'ish and Ha'eved, especially Ha'ish brings up this question of his connection to God. Is he Ha'ish in the sense of, I brought a verse that we heard this morning, Vaisa enav vayar vehinesh losha anashim, which is translated in this English as looking up, he saw three figures, but Anashim, you know, in the, in the Chaye Sarah narrative, Ha'ish is the man. So Anashim could be figures, it could be angels, messengers of God. So, so if he's a messenger of God, there's this strong connection and knowing, okay, this, this is the right person. And, and then we have to deal with the human in the human interaction. We'll, we'll be more human about it. It's a possibility. I, I brought a few, just cause Ha'ish and Ha'evet, I felt to be like, it's interesting to me that that's all he gets in terms, we, this is a whole narrative about him, but all we get is Ha'ish and Ha'evet here. So I brought more examples, um, and we don't have time to go through them super deeply, so I'll just sort of like go over, um, just, we have the Anashim from this week's Parsha, and then in the next verse, how Avraham refers to himself as Avdecha, that he is, uh, he is the servant of the servants of God, perhaps. 
And then I brought another example from Brashit with Ish and Avadim. Sorry, what? Yeah, the wrestling, right, right. So that's the ish too. So I just think these words are, even though ish and eved can mean a lot of things, these words are definitely loaded with meaning, especially in Breshit. Um, but we do have a name in Genesis 15:2 for who is the person in charge of Abraham's household. We get the name Eliezer. And then when he makes the oath in 24, 2 to 4, um, we also get uh, that the person who's making the oath is the senior servant. And then we got from verse uh, from Genesis 24:34 that he introduces himself as Abraham's servant. So um, a lot of people refer to him as Eliezer. Um, and I my first, I have a few questions for reflection. I also don't think we'll have time to go through all of them, but it's also if you want to take the source sheet, it could be something to think about this week while we while we continue to read Chayesara this week. But I want to ask the first question and maybe the last question. So the first question is whether, and that's about what we were just talking about, whether the identity of this person, the man or the servant or Eliezer, does that affect the question of whether he was intentional about switching up the chronology or if it was a memory thing? If it's a question of memory, that could connect to maybe if he's Eliezer, maybe he is only human, or would his humanness perhaps be all the more reason that he would want to control the narrative? Um, both both feel like they have human tendencies, both feel like they have divine tendencies. So um, I'm curious if, um, just like it matters who he's talking to, if if what your take, what if anyone wants to share a take on the identity of this person that we're talking about in this Parsha. And okay, so you could we can let, why don't we keep that as a question to think over and also the second and third questions you can think over too. But I want to get us to the last question. So the last question number four on the at the end of the source sheet. If we are to understand this, oh, and I also, and I want to say about the title of the source sheet, Memory of a Servant Man, Narrative of Eliezer, I wasn't trying to create a dichotomy with that. I was just trying to put all the categories out there. So it could be a mem the memory of Ha'eved, the servant, a memory of Ha'ish, the man, memory of Eliezer, or it could be narrative of all those three. I just wanted to, like, we can play around with any of those factors. So my last question I wanted to just ask, and if maybe one or two people want to share their thoughts, if we are to understand this as an intentional narrative adjustment on the part of the man, the servant, Eliezer, how do we understand that choice? Are there times when we intentionally rearrange the chronology of events in our own lives when we are asked to recount events? Is this an example of something that is okay to do? So we have in our tradition an example of a white lie that our tradition says sometimes is okay. Or is this an example of something that we should not do? Maybe this is a lesson on how not to behave, which I feel like sometimes Rashid is full of. Um, so any thoughts on, on whether this is something we can relate to or maybe something we should stay away from? Sony does that very often. <laughs> um, what, I do, what I do is I improve the narrative. Oh, like that. Thank you. Any other thoughts on if we should model Eliezer slash man slash servant's behavior or maybe not? Yeah, that's also, I, I, I like that answer because I don't, I'm not sure either. That's why I <laughs> always ask the questions when I don't know. Yeah. I have a question uh, about the question. Yeah. So my question about the questions is, 
Assuming that the initial narrative yeah. is the truth, the objective truth right. of what happened. That's also a good point. Yeah. One of the things that's not really fully addressed about that is why did he give her the stuff? The, the question he didn't want to have asked. Mm. What was the thinking? How would he have any way of identifying who Rivka was right. before he even confirmed it? Did he have some other source of it? What is going on beyond the, the narration order? And if he's just a servant, then how would he take it upon himself, not in the days where he could open up his phone and see a picture and say, that's her. Um, how would he know that that was there? Uh, was he above the level of a servant to, mm. to know more? Right. So I, I, that's my question about the questions. Right. I think those are all great questions too. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I think those are questions that play into it. We don't, and I also like how you started with like, we have our first account, which maybe the second account is closer to what actually happened because we're hearing it from him himself. Maybe the first account is like, you know, it's it's a question of what's what's the real order of events. And then, yeah, and then who was he to know that she's the one to give this stuff to, which is maybe, which is why um, Rashi, that's like goes back to Rashi's answer of, Maybe he started to think, maybe I didn't do this in the right order. That's, that was one of the ways I read Rashi. But yeah, thank you. Those are, those are great. Yeah, he is. <laughs> great additional questions. Yes. Yeah, thank you. First, I'll thank you for uh, walking us through these sources. I think it is fascinating to ask ourselves how reliable a narrator this um, servant Eliezer is. But we're actually asking the question from within an assumption that the that the narrative that we've received is reliable, right? Because right? there's right. also a question which you couldn't ask in the yeshiva world, but right. we can't ask in our world: <laughs> yeah. How reliable is this chapter of Breshit? Right. Right. Is it possible that what 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 Rashi and Orachaim are trying to resolve is, as an internal inconsistency in the story? actually is an inconsistency that's represented by several different narrative traditions that got woven together, which you right. see a lot in the Joseph story, mm -hmm. right? And uh, it's heretical in some gatherings to even raise the question, <laughs> but it actually plays into your, your larger question, which is that I, I think we would be shocked if someone shared with us a transcript of everything we said in the last 24 hours. Right. And or we, we were asked to um, remember everything we said in the last 24 hours and then showed what we said, our own memory of what transpired and what we spoke would not be nearly as reliable as we'd like to think it was. So maybe this is intentional on the Torah's perspective, you want to call it God's perspective or the editor's perspective to show a story that naturally changes uh, in small detail, as frequently as our own senses, our own reality change. Thank you. Yeah, and I and that also brings me. Thank you so much. I the thing the question about memory. There's one thing when you're talking about individual memory, and then there's a question of communal memory, and that gets even. If it's hard for me myself to remember what I did in the last 24 hours, as a community, as a people, it's all the more complicated and maybe all the more rich. So thank you. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.